Reporting live from where? Northeast LA, <laughs> where we staged the filthy Armenian reading last night. I don't know if you saw that. Do you know who that is? Oh, I saw that. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was last night. So yeah, it was last good. night. It was actually pretty good. Like he he did it in a different format than people usually do. Um, he like he like uh, he like did like interviews more, you know, than just like straight readings. Um, oh, yeah. And it, it was pretty funny. It was like it was actually pretty well done. Was that for uh, Apocalypse Confidential, or was it an independent thing? I think it was just independent. Mm. Oh man! So what have you been up to lately? <laughs> it's been... <laughs> I know we should do introductions, but um, I'm assuming people know who you are. But just I mean, because I always forget. It's always an hour since you know. Sometimes an hour before I get to introductions. So I am with uh, Isaac Simpson, uh, disgraced propagandist, and and. Um, what do you do? Who are you? Again. There you go. What is it that you do? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, uh, you know, in my, I'm a writer. I write uh, kind of gonzo-y, like, magazine-y articles. Uh, I've had a few, like, pretty successful ones in the past year. And I also um, do branding and publicity and like advertising essentially for people and companies in our in our little thing. And that uh, can range from, you know, I have a industrial metals manufacturer, metals fabricator, and I have that two, you know, very cool brands like uh, Masa Chips. And, you know, I was in New York Times talking about Hestia. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, yeah, that's that's what I do. I, I come from mainstream. You know, I, I pretty much have been doing the exact same thing for 12 years, which is like writing like essays on the Internet about doing and oh, yeah. then uh, doing branding. You know, like, and I've done it at the height of the industry and I've done it at the bottom of the industry and that's what I continue to do. No, that's great. I mean, I wanted to talk about, to talk about branding because of uh, your article in American Mind about the advertising industry. But, uh, well, I mean, I originally want to talk about, Vi we'll get to Vibe Camp, we'll get to Vibe Camp. But uh, this is fascinating. Uh, I guess... There, I, I remember there was this Twitter space, but not not to like uh, put out the participants, but they brought up a salient point about the work like people do when it comes to the branding of dissident thought, um, whether it be was it Massa Chips, the chip company, the non-seed oil, um, yeah, or or even like Hestia cigarettes or whatever. Which I I I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'll have to get you to ship some to my GF so. Uh, they're not a bit, you can't ship cigarettes in Canada. You have to have oh, all paperwork. Yeah, 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 it's ridiculous. Um, but the indigenous people get away with it, but you know, not not ordinary Canadians. Well, it's um, the same here. I mean, that's where Hestias yeah. have to be made. They have to be made on Native American reservations. Maybe one day, maybe Hestia. I mean, well, who knows? In Canada, it would be um, impossible to get like a dissident cigarette brand. Um, maybe who knows? I mean, now that that Trudeau has honored a uh, Grenadier Galician SS officer in the middle of parlor. Did you see that? 
Yeah, <laughs> what was that? I, I like heard about this, but I can't. What what happened? Well, well, Z-Man came to Canada to see his great friend, uh, Christia Freeland and Justin Trudeau. And they honored a 91-year-old or something like that veteran who was part of the uh, Galician division of the Waffen SS. Oh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But of course, you know, it's it's Ukrainian, <laughs> so it's liberal. And, oh, you know, yeah, right, right. Um, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. But so anyways, the criticism was that, I, I guess right off the bat, is, um, y- you know, it's sort of like, is it a grift or is it a marketing scheme or is it going to potentially open up a base of consumers that, you know, have the right intentions in terms of like seed oils and like non um, propaganda regime, uh, you know, slop, but, but then there's always the danger of, well, my, you know, my good friend, Catherine D who's also now my uh, co-host she said, you know, in the future, there will be like raw egg uh, and, and like primal diet cookbooks in Walmart. And there's always a danger of being commodified or sort of, you know, there's always a danger of neutralization through branding of, you know, like there will be like a dissident McDonald's one day. I mean, well, McDonald's Japan already did that. The, the anime, uh, you know, family. So, but as a guy who's like in the belly of the beast of marketing, like how would yeah. you defend yourself? Um, I, well, I mean, um, so it's kind of a two part question, right? Because on the one hand, you're talking about the commodification of rebel art, which is a tale as old as time, right? I mean, that's what they've been doing forever. And so, yeah, that absolutely will happen to us. It already is happening to us. I mean, you already see that happening. You already see people stealing our stuff. I mean, the, the, the reason why we're nicely protected is because the mainstream can't really touch any of our actual ideas or imagery. Oh, because, God, no. You know what I mean? Because they'll be immediately, uh, you know, that's uh, racist or whatever. Uh, I mean, it's not racist, but that's what they'll call it. Well, um, well, <laughs> it depends, <laughs> on, it depends <laughs> on where you go. That's what we're talking about, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. exactly. But, you know, um, yeah, but, but for brevity. Well, I guess, yeah. I don't know, like, what would you characterize yourself before we, you answer the question? Are you more of like, I mean, you're obviously more of like the tech orientated, like Curtis Yarvinite. I mean, that's unfair to describe you as a Yarvinite, but like, no, what would fair. you, yeah, what would you describe yourself so as? I mean, I obviously, think, you're not an anime racist or, a, no, I'm not like, a grower. I, I mean, I can't be. I'm, I'm, you know, a man, so I can't be a grower. Yeah, I probably would be. Not the sense of that word for you. Too, if I, yeah. if I didn't have the luxury of not being, maybe I would be. But, um, no, I, uh, I'm like the way I see the divide and I'm sure you, you know, can tell me, keep me honest on this because you know this stuff way better than me, but I see it kind of the divide is trads and vitalists, right? Everybody on the new right. And I'm definitely in the vitalist camp. I'm, you know, I'm basically a libertine, you know, I'm a, I'm a gonzo writer. I go around and drink and do drugs and, you know, write about it. So it's like, I can't, I'm never going to be a trad. You know what I mean? Like, it's just never going to happen. I mean, I am married and I do believe in religion and I believe in, you know, I I don't think it's, I definitely don't believe in glorifying sin and glorifying degeneracy. I mean, I definitely agree that we shouldn't do those things. Um, But I would say I'm more on the like, yeah, libertine side, the Baptist side of the right, where it's like, you know, be a, be a crazy pirate type of thing, you know? Yeah. But, but I guess like, 
but the way that comes out is in more like mediated forms nowadays. Like, well, well, you know, like, I mean, the Silicon Valley venture, not to say that there's a one-to-one comparison, obviously, but it's almost as if like the Silicon Valley venture capitalist is, I mean, as, as fake and sort of similar as it is, it's almost like our equivalent of uh, the robber baron or the explorer which I mean, that's that has a number of other questions that are probably leads to negative conclusions because I don't exactly fully trust those people. But yeah. uh, but but you're like, you know, but from your perspective, I guess, like, w- would you say that that's an apt comparison? I know we didn't answer the original question, but we'll we'll get to it. We'll get to it. This, this is how my mind works, and this is how everyone no, is subjected fine. to my uh, my flights of fancy and thought. But you know, you're, go, a, go you're a rhizome, right? You're a rhizome. Rhizome. Yeah. Well. The- <laughs> Moving around. My, no, my, graduate, my graduate education was put to good use. Then. <laughs> um, so I think the question that you're asking is, are tech tech people the new like explorer? You know, are they the new mm-hmm. star business person? Or I don't yeah. even know what you'd call it. Star like mogul of our day. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, it's undeniable that that's what tech people are. And, and I mean, <clears throat> you can't really blame it either because you know, the old guys explored or they built the machines or they, you know, they built things they didn't have. Of course, this generation is going to be known for building the stuff we didn't have, which is the pipes of the internet. So it makes sense that these are the guys that we kind of worship today. I mean, I don't, I think tech is pretty stupid, honestly. Like I'm not, you know, I, I, I mock the whole thing. I don't, I'm not, I'm in it kind of, but I think that, uh, I think it's pretty lame, man. I mean, I think of all the, <laughs> you know, yeah. of all the things we could have been born with, we get stuck with the tech generation. I mean, it's like, ugh, it's just yeah. so kind of like lame. And like, ugh, born God. just in time to to manufacture widgets on a digital. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like at mass scale, and not even widgets. It's not even widgets. It's manufacturing SaaS programs. You know, I mean, it's like it's the worst thing. So yeah. But the first the first question about marketing and if the dissident scene is like like I think even the language of like dissident scene would get like here are the cool new hipsters that you know all the kids are gonna get involved and they're gonna start you know posting about uh, haplogroups or whatever like yeah. it's you know so <laughs> yeah I mean you already see it you already see this ha- what look at praying have you seen the brand praying. Hey, so what's what's this? Praying is this brand that's like the sexy brand in New York right now. It, the, the whole Dime Square thing is this, and it's okay, like, yeah, yeah, okay. it's like Same hot more, girl yeah. thing. Like I love God, <laughs> you know, like on their on their on their. Boots. I'm I'm an angelic, <laughs> ethereal e girl post Tumblr aesthetic. You know, exactly. like I yeah, I only yeah. eat on Tuesday. Uh, like it's you know, no, yeah, yeah, always, yeah, 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 exactly. And it's like this is what I say about Dime Square. It's just rich girls pretending to be like Catholics, and so it's obviously like <laughs> it, it, it obviously is, some of them are decent. Some of them are decent. Let's no, not they're great. Shade. I, no, I um, like them a lot. I'm yeah, not criticizing them. I'm just saying like that's basically what they are. Exactly. You know, I, it's a, yeah. 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 No, I like those girls. I, I think I've only had good experience with this with them. So I have nothing bad to say about them at all. They're, they're very cool. You know, they're very We're smart. not casting shade and honor Levy, please. No, 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 not at all. I've met her once. Uh, she's very cool. Annika, who runs Forever Mag, is great. Um, yeah, no, they've Forever done Mag does have a lot of nice. good work. Yeah. Oh, the aesthetic is fantastic. So yeah, yeah I'm I'm just uh, you know, 
being honest about like what they are. And I'm just saying like, you know, the aesthetic already is going mainstream. I, you know, I have oh, this yeah. whole theory of like what happened to culture in 2014. It's split into like zombie culture, which is like getting further and further woke, which is they mm -hmm. forced it to be. And then real culture, which is like where we are, you know, culture wanted to go right and they didn't let it go right. So that split it into two things. It's like culture that you see on, you know, my favorite quote was from, I think it was Perfume Nationals, who was actually read at the thing last night. Uh, he was just like, he posted a picture of some like two celebrities from the Oscars. And it was just like, nobody knows who these people are at all. They're just like fake celebrities. Like, Did you, did you see that yeah. list of like the top young, like under is was it under 40 or under 30 actors and it's like who are these people who are these people <laughs> yeah yeah like the only one i could recognize was the bella ramsey girl but that's because she you know but that it's like the other people who cares it's like hollywood's yeah. over i think it's like over. the writer's strike was like an apocalypse for them in some way essentially that's what somebody was just saying that last night it was like that was it it's totally done now like forget it yeah but, um but yeah, but you're but about Dime Square though. I mean, there is a conscious effort of like edging towards reaction and like giving little yeah. winks and nods here and oh, there, yeah. but not you know not really committing, if you will. But exactly. I mean, maybe they do in the in the long run because I think in the long run maybe culture would get so bad that to be like to only be slightly left of Julius Evola will be like the mainstream. But like the yeah. fake mainstream will be like whatever the culture industry pumps out, but it will be yeah. like, it'll be so grotesque and horrendous for most people that yeah. it won't, you know. Yeah. But because that was like the basis of your article on on advertising, which which I wanted to get into if you could like elaborate because like and speaking of Forever Mag, maybe one maybe next year they'll profile when my book comes out. So who knows? They should. Um, I hope. Yeah. They do. Uh, but but a lot of my book is basically critiquing. I hate the word woke. I think it's so overplayed. But like yeah. for brevity's sake, like woke advertising. Yeah. You know what I call neoliberal catch. And and you have like a. You were alluding to in the article that it's not necessarily. I mean, it is in in a lot of ways, like sort of mercenary capitalism of like, well, you know, we have to be peer. And this is the basis. A lot of what I write about is that. You know, it's not just the maximization of a market base, but also like the compliance of it has to be like a certain way. And it's like our version of the Hayes Code, if the Hayes Code was, you know, trans uh, by POC instead yes. of like Catholic. Stop, stop killing black women. Stop yeah. killing black trans women. No, 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 stop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> stop killing black trans women. So, but, yeah. but it's like, there's that. But then you're also saying that, you know, a lot of leftists, um, they say, well, you're not sincere about it, right? But then the people on the right, they're like, well, they have to do this because it's like, this is what the bricklage of culture has gotten to. But you're saying no, like, and I know, for example, BAP, he like critiques that angle of like, it's purely just market commodification. There's something else going on. So in your opinion, having worked in the advertisement industry, I'm assuming that you can't go back. I mean, at this point, no, well, maybe no, well, can, I know I can never go. I can do like a little bit of freelancing for big brands yeah. until. So it's so funny when I, and I'll answer your question, but it's yeah. hilarious when I get these freelance jobs. So I'll go on the first meeting and it's like a huge brand that you would have heard of. And yeah. I'm just doing some little freelance writing job for them because they, I still am on some lists that they have, you know what I mean? 
And I'll go on, I'll go on, and it'll be five women, of course, and you know, all different shapes and sizes. It's it's like, you know, of course, there's the one in the wheelchair, there's the one with like an eye. Like the Apple commercial <laughs> with Octavia <laughs> Butler. Yeah, 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 Mother Nature. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're all completely like, you know, rainbow. Uh, and then there'll be one with blue hair or whatever it is, and you know, he, she, it, and the thing. And she'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm the um, DIB, diversity, inclusion, and belonging manager. Belonging it, manager? That'll make change it to belonging. Belonging. Because I think DEI sounded like die. So they yeah. were like, oh, we can't have that. So, and you realize, like, when I'm on the call with this woman, her she's an inquisitor. Like, her job, she's a straight up, like, hall monitor. Like, her job is to <laughs> have a meeting with me. Google me and then fire me. Like that's why she's there. That's her entire point. You know, like she's a cleansing mechanism to make sure that I don't get a job there. You know, well, even so, like Isaac yeah. Simpson, American Mind. That's enough to get you. Oh yeah, I'm done. If you yeah, if you Google me at all, I'm I'm just yeah, I'm toast. So let alone uh, like yeah. exploring your Substack in your podcast. That you yeah, know. but. Yeah. But, anyway, but so right. yeah, that's that's funny. That's like the Saudi Arabia, like it's like Saudi Arabia, they have like the morality police. Yeah. Um that's what they are. They are literally the morality police of the you know of the corporate sphere. Um, so but yeah, do you have you worked at big brands in the past? Like I, I know you probably don't want to like out yourself. No, I am not open book, man. I'll tell you. I mean, I I don't want to name super specific, specific companies. But, uh, right? No, I mean I can. I look it, the thing is in advertising, you are the great thing about advertising is that it doesn't matter where you went to school. It, it doesn't matter if you went to Harvard. You are judged in advertising only by, or at least formerly, only by the quality of your book, right? So that's like, you right. know, when Don Draper carries around that big portfolio and it's got his like ideas in it, that's what every advertising copywriter has that. So I have actually two websites. I have like a more base one and a more normy one. And... Uh, that just contains all the my like big hits from the past before, you know, like oh, I've won yeah. awards and stuff. So that's open knowledge, you know, like so I, it's not like I would I can't I'm not going to like hide it because it's like, yeah, I have worked for the NFL. I've worked for Uber. I've done all that stuff. And it's, yeah. you know, it's on my portfolio. So I might as well talk about it. So, yeah, I, yeah, I've done what I do now at Will, which is branding and publicity. I have done that at the height at the very top. I've done it at the very top of that entire industry. That yeah. said, the height of the branding industry is a little bit different than the height of what you would think of as traditional advertising, right? Like an illustration. And so forth. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I'm in a little bit of a niche, but I have seen the heights of the, the whole thing uh, at, yeah. at certain points. So, yeah. Um, did you ever hear any mention when you were at Uber of my good friend Eli Schiff? You know, you wrote that book, Uber's Undoing. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, well, so I wasn't at Uber. I was at an agency that was doing the brand of Uber. So oh, I, I okay. That's how it works. Yeah, they sublet it. Yeah. yeah. Eli Schiff, though, I definitely know that name. And I think, the, the, what did he write? He wrote, well, he wrote Uber's Undoing about their design and he like ripped it to shreds. And uh, th this is oh. when he was doing the, you know, Humans of Flat Design uh, oh, yeah. concept. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. 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 Yeah, and he he's like infamous in the UI uh, design world. Oh, cool! And, uh, yeah, he's yeah, a good no, friend I, of mine. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I know this name. I've definitely heard this name like many times. 
and he wrote that book about Uber that you could still download. And they, they were like, like the whole marketing team was like, you know, up in a panic. Really? <laughs> you know? I got to read this. This sounds really good. I can't find it. What is the book? Oh, Uber's Undoing. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, you'll wow, you'll get a really, kick out of it. <laughs> they really buried this thing, man. It's like yeah. you can't see this well at all. Yeah, yeah. He, he, I think he got into some trouble for it, but uh, I don't know why Elon has not reinstated him yet because the way they clipped him off of Twitter was for you know BS reasons. Like they, uh, the people that like did the new design of Twitter. This was pre Elon. This was during um, who was the Indian? Prague, uh, Prague. Oh yeah, Prague, right? Prague versus. Yeah, Prague. I think yeah. Dorsey was still there a little bit, but you know the design team, people like designers that worked at Twitter, they hated Eli Schiff, and so when he did this thread about this like illegal immigrant Uber driver, or it was like a Lyft driver, or whatever he had a bad encounter with, they're like, oh, that's racism, and this was back in the day oh. where like you could just clip people. Like, like it was really up to just like, if someone hated you, like there would be certain accounts where like someone in Twitter would hate them and they just kept getting banned. Like my friend, Nuke Telly or, uh, or, well, you know, I think spinach bra was like that. Um, they would like get rid of ink, ink blot, my good friend, ink blot. And they, someone in Twitter just hated them. And so they would, like get the, get rid of yeah, them, like right. whatever pretense, but it was just but, a uni unilateral dude. I'm yeah. so fascinated by this undoing of Uber thing. It's like impossible to get. I can't like find it. Oh, you just pay whatever you want. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah, so cool. I've so never heard of this. I, I, this is great. This is like right up my alley. This type of shit. Oh, yeah. What happened to Eli Schiff? He's still around. He's, he's coming back. He still does independent work, but, uh, since they got rid of t him on Twitter, like he still has Instagram. Uh, he's still mm -hmm. on Telegram, but you know, I, I got to invite him on my show pretty soon one day uh, because I always had an idea of like actually co-writing something with him on the flat design thing, because the notes for my book was originally going to include a chapter on it, but you know, it's become so winding and expansive that I might have to like save that for a co-production with him. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know why Elon hasn't reinstated him. Like he would be the first because his his banning was like totally arbitrary um, based on people, designers that hate him. So it's like, yeah, um, this is awesome, dude. I've never I've like totally dude. missed this whole thing, which is weird because it's like I'm usually kind of into this stuff. So I'm surprised I haven't heard of this at all. Oh, yeah. This is oh, very yeah. cool. So yeah, you were, yeah. So you were seeing an advertisement. Sorry, like an advertisement, like a campaign for it, 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 it's different than traditional like illustration or like the aesthetic of a corporation. Like, it, are you are you basically considered just marketing or like? No, no. So that? I'm okay. Yeah. So like, it used to be everything was done by either the brand or the ad, you know, agency of record. There was just two things, yeah. right? And the agency of record was this is the Don Draper days. They have one big company and that big company does everything. They buy the media and the way that they finance themselves traditionally and like the, the heyday of advertising is there was no fees. It was just the agency funded itself by a 15% commission on all of the ad space bought. Right. Right. So you a company would spend $10 million a year on ad space and then the agency would make 1.5 
of that. And that's how it was funded. And the thing about an advertising agency is there's zero overhead. So it's mm -hmm. just, you know, and I know this now, like, I, I mean, the overhead is the labor, right? But there's no like actual things I need to buy. So, I mean, besides a few programs and stuff. Um, so that it seems like 15% is not a lot, but when there's zero overhead, it actually adds up. Those guys got really rich, right? Because, yeah. you know, the companies were spending hundreds of millions, billions on, on uh, ad space every year. Then along came uh, what they call procurement departments. So procurement departments are, you know, assholes inside brands who are there to like cut costs right. and they destroyed the, that entire model. So they mm -hmm. stopped paying the 15% commission and then they basically balkanized the agencies into these tiny little uh, agencies here and there. And so that's what I wrote about in one of my American Mind pieces is like, I've been up, I did like a huge pitch for BB, uh, for uh, um, Wells Fargo for their oh, yeah. uh, for their summer you know winter giving campaign, uh, and I went up to BBDO, which is their agency of like their big ad agency who does their like Super Bowl commercials and stuff. So they were kind of like the big boy, but then there were like ten sub agencies that each have their own little specialty. So they'll mm -hmm. be like branding. They'll be like the the black agency. They'll be the Latino Spanish language agency. They'll be the experiential agency. They'll be the sustainability agency. You know, there's all these like little sub agencies now that but, fulfill but who, various. But then who does, for example, commercials that require like Fiverr stock actors and, and a setup and a director? Like, does that get sublet to like the ad agency hires a production company yes, to do that? That's exactly uh, right. So when, when you work at a yeah. big ad agency, you have what are called lunch and learns and lunch and learn. Lunch and learn. Yeah, it's lunch so good. The corporate speak is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they call it something else now because that, that even sounds outdated, but, uh, and out, lunch and learns are always, a production company coming and showing you they're real because they want to be chosen by you when mm. it comes time to make the two billion, you know, two million, five million dollar Super Bowl ad or any ad. You know, they they they're just sitting around being like, please pick us. Uh, you know, when it comes time to to fund the and, actual video. And it's the same, for example, if there's an MA like an animated, like, oh, sorry, animation, like there's an animated commercial, they would hire graphic designers and animators to like or a production company, like the one, I, I know this because I was looking into the one that did for my book, the, the Chobani solar punk commercial. And they, <laughs> they got a guy that was like, he worked for studio Ghibli, but you could tell like he was kind of phoning it in compared to like the usual amount of detail required to do it, to do like a Ghibli film. Uh, so it's like they, I guess they hire an animation studio to like come in there and it you know, do their propaganda. It totally depends, right? So, like, some of the big – and that, again, the whole industry now is, like, destroyed. So, it's yeah. Yeah. it's like you're talking about just a, ma a mess that doesn't make any sense. But formerly, ideally, you had animators in-house. And, you know, maybe oh, yeah. if you yeah. needed – so, the core uh, team of an ad agency is a copywriter and an art director. Those mm. are the – part they partner up, and they have, like, the ideas, right? They pitch the ideas to their creative director who then sells them with the account person to the brand. Once the brand says yes, then you have a budget and it's up to you. It's up to that creative director to make the thing that you pitched, right? Whether it's a commercial, whether it's a bunch of Facebook ads, whether it's a whole new website, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. And, 
um, you know, the big concepts will have all of that stuff, right? Like, uh, you know, my favorite campaign ever, most interesting man in the world. That's not just a commercial. That's 10 years worth of commercials. It's a website. It's all, it's all it's kinds the of aesthetic stuff. design right, of the aesthetic. The, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, the, what's artists hate creative directors, but creative directors come in and they hire the artist to do it, but they're not really doing it. So they're just kind of like sitting behind the thing being like, no, can you like, can you make the brand bigger? You know, like, can yeah. you like do all this stuff? So it's a weird dance, you know, it's an odd dance between like the people who actually do the work versus who sell in the work, uh, et cetera. Well, who makes like the actual decision to launch an iconic brand or a commercial that becomes like, for example, the zoom zoom kid, I think he's like 30 years old now or something, but this like Mazda Mazda. Yeah. Like yeah. everyone remembers the zoom zoom thing, right? Zoom, zoom, yeah. Like who, who designs the catchphrase who yeah. like green, green lights, the sort of the identity of that corporation in general, or that consumer brand, like say right. McDonald's, like, like, I, I guess like McDonald's Japan had like a bit of leeway. So they have like the ability to like hire an, a, a manga artist to like, you know, do yeah. the little kid and the, the, the little girl with the, the two parents. I, but, I thought it was yeah. so beautiful. It was perfect. I, I, it I broke I people's brains. So. Yeah. Well, so again, like you're talking about all sorts of different things. Like, yeah. So like branding, what, what I did is the very top of the funnel, right? So mm -hmm. you're not setting the campaign identity, you're setting the brand identity. So you're right. you're literally telling like Uber Eats when I worked for them what they're like, you know, McDonald's, I'm loving it, right? Yeah. You're talking about that global line that's gonna be on absolutely everything. Like everything will be come everywhere. Back it will be in Karachi and it will be in Paris. Yeah. Yes, it'll be global, right? So that's what I do. Like I do the very top, right? Mm. A little bit lower, like the more traditional advertising is it's not doing the brand line. It's doing a campaign. So a right. campaign will be like, uh, you're not you when you're hungry, Snickers, right? Yeah. That, that's not the Snickers tagline, but it was for a long time because that campaign was so popular and so successful, right? But really all that was, was just one year's idea for a campaign. It just worked so well that they extended it for a long yeah. time. Right. And that incorporates like public ads or like stunts or like giving up free stuff. Like I yeah. remember, I think this first season of Sopranos was advertised by hiring taxi drivers in New York to like have the arm hanging out of the back or something like that. That was like, yeah. Wait, the arm hanging out of the back? Like, oh. yeah, it was like a hit where, you know, they would, they would get a taxi company to feature like a prosthetic arm that looked real, like coming out of the back of the, the trunk. Oh, like, oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Those type of stunts. Right. And once yeah. you have your core idea, you can do all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah. 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 Or like, I think uh, 28 days later, in in UK, they marketed the film by having people in hazmat suits go to theaters and like quarantine, like do a staged quarantine thing. Yeah, so like gorilla. The hell out of yeah, <laughs> and there's agencies that specialize in that stuff. You know, they're, yeah. they're called like you know experiential agencies. I actually worked at one of them for a while. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, but then in your opinion, like, what really drives corporations to? adopt a certain ideological bent in terms yeah. of the aesthetic choices they make and in terms of their appeal, because it can't just all be like, well, we have to appeal to the maximum number of people. 
or is it really just like the people working for them have a particular ideological persuasion or is it something more nebulous and spiritual than we could ever imagine? So are you, do you mean in, in the, again, I agree with you, we need a new word, but in the woke marketing context, or you just mean like any? Yeah, anything? like in your article for the American mind, like how things yeah. actually operate on that, like gut level of like this, you know, the NFL having like trans people in their ads, yeah. like, yeah, because, you know, when you think of the, or like the NHL having, which actually there's a game, there's a Maple Leafs game today. So, you know, but like, you know, the NHL having, like whatever the 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 once a month they have the the rainbow jerseys yeah. that you know I believe Meatball Ronnie said that any player from Florida whether it's the Tampa Bay Lightning or the the Panthers that they don't have to wear it yeah. so I, I gotta get Meatball Ron that you know he let the Stall brothers not wear the jersey so it's like, <laughs> wear the wear the rainbow jersey bigot so yeah <laughs> uh, so this is what's I, I, I say this all the time, so I'm sure you've probably heard me say this, but yeah. I find the question of why to answer woke marketing to be the, the most fascinating question like in public life ever. Right. And, and be, because we still don't have an answer. We still don't <laughs> really know. Like, like I've done a lot of work trying to answer the question and yeah. I've, you know, coming from my own experiences can tell you what I experienced. And of course, you know, there's there's all kinds of reasons. There's, oh, because Blackstone has its DEI scores and really these companies don't even give it about selling products. They just want to get cheap money from Blackstone, right? I mean, they care about right. their stock price so they could give a shit about, you know, Bud Light, you know, 1% of global revenue is, is gone for AB InBev because of that. But it's still, I mean, 1% is a lot, but it's still not yeah. that crazy, right? You know what I mean? It's like they don't really care about selling products anymore. There's that explanation. You know, there's uh, that it actually is a capitalist uh, uh, thing. And like some people are like, oh, they've done research on these things. And young people care about uh, trans rights. So, you know, it makes sense from yeah. that perspective, right? Uh, you know, there's the explanation of um, that, yeah, it's tone deafness. It's just that these people don't get it. Uh, that they're just sort of separated from their class. Um, there's the any publicity is good publicity explanation. You know, right. There's a million right. explanations. And uh, the, the, you know, that it's actual Satan, which is maybe my, so there's a million, there's a million, uh, there's a million things. My personal explanation is these are all factors, of course. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a complicated beast, but in reality, it to me, it's a longhouse thing. I think it's mm. a longhouse thing, meaning that when I've been inside these companies, they are not, they're just not thinking about it. Like they're they're not sitting around plotting it out. Yeah. It's more that it's a bunch of women who are completely disconnected from the people that they're supposed to be selling things to. Yeah. And they have they're competing with each other for like equity points or whatever and so they're just blindly doing that you know like without and they why just dylan think, mulvaney you know? though why why did it have to be dylan mulvaney i guess it's just like why does anyone get discovered i guess it's just happenstance or is it there's something else going on i don't know no it's because she that Alyssa hanerschneid the person who did that is you know she's a if new york uh extremely wealthy woman she lives in an 8.5 million dollar condo <laughs> 
with her with her you know fancy boyfriend she's in the new york times or husband she's in the new york times you know marriage pages and they're all competing with each other at dinner parties to like show off how woke they are i guess or whatever it yeah. is and she thinks oh look at this fun new star uh she doesn't even think this person is famous because they're trans she thinks, oh, this person's famous because they're like really sassy and fun and like like a theater, <laughs> you know, like wow, they're fabulous. Yeah. And you know, she doesn't know about the brand, and so she's yeah, she's been placed there, and so she goes, oh, we'll say we'll make her a you know or him, you know, we'll make him a uh, a commemorative can. We'll send them ten grand, you know, maybe fifty grand, however much they paid for that. And he'll post a silly video and that's it. It's, and she probably thought nobody will even notice. Yeah. And that's what happened. It's sort of like, uh, like, like in the music industry, I remember that one line uh, back in like the very early, it wasn't very early. It was like 2012, but the early days of like people doing podcasts on YouTube. Uh, what's his name? Chris Ott. He used to write for, he was the founders of Pitchfork or one of them. Yeah. But then he realized, but then he realized how terrible Pitchfork became as like fake hipster dumb. And, yeah. you know, Pitchfork now is like, oh, don't even, you know, but he said something interesting. He goes back in the days, you say you have like, you know, local dime store indie band that, or like a punk show that's in a garage and that's their CD release party and the, the label has like what maybe 500 prints of this CD. Now that like garage show that launches the CD is being sponsored by Absolute Vodka for and and to a huge brand, it's pennies on the dollar. But to the scene of like quote unquote authentic underground indie or punk music, it's like you know, that's a huge deal. That's like you're selling out or you're like being consumed by something or you have like the aesthetic of transgression. And so I think like to a big brand, like absolute vodka, it means nothing to sponsor a show and to like put out free samples. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. in the middle exactly. of diamond or wherever, or Williamsburg, Williamsburg. Exactly. Oh, did, no, is, yeah, Williamsburg, right. is Williamsburg, sorry, is Williamsburg still the, the hipster? Is it now? No, the no, 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 no. It's, it's back to Manhattan. Oh, you know, it's, it's, gone, it's gone in a circle. Went from Williamsburg <laughs> to Bushwick and now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's back. It went in an exact perfect circle. Oh, and now man. it's lower Manhattan again. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. But so, yeah. So, I guess, like, for a corporation to spend money on, like, uh, like who who is that guy that, that was, it was the height of the BLM uh, movement. He had the, the blue, uh, shirt a cardigan not cardigan like the vest that one you never hear about him anymore he like disappeared but he was everywhere he was in ads was his name d-ray d-ray mccasson mccasson McC that guy d-ray mccasson you remember Ray that McKesson. guy yeah what, what why do i remember this let me he's Google got it. the blue vest and he was like an <laughs> he was everywhere during the oh my god yeah, yeah dude i vaguely remember this i like have oh god these people are such grifters it's unbelievable <laughs> but, but like he was like, everywhere i think like even like huge corporate sponsors gave him money Oh yeah, no. I mean, this was the the giant, um, you know, Saint Floyd money transfer of uh, twenty whatever year that was. Twenty twenty two. When was that? Uh, 
2021? Yeah. 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 Yeah, dude. No, I mean, I, I didn't. Yeah, I remember this. I vaguely remember this, but uh, it's pretty amazing. Well, there are people that speculated that the, um, that, that one, did he actually make it to the NFL, the Kaepernick guy? Like, they speculate that was like a woke washing thing that the, that, you know, the NFL was aware of him and they did it because it was, you know, well, the, the beautiful thing about this story of, and is that he was a good quarterback. You know, he had a yeah. great year. He made it to the Super Bowl with the 49ers mm-hmm. and uh, he played really well that year. Then something happened the next year and he sucked. It was weird. He like showed up and he was really bad the next year. And he, oh, it happens, happens in hockey all the time. Yeah, yeah. that is sometimes they just burn out. Like you, you don't know what happens. So he really sucked and he got benched the following year after he they lost the Super Bowl. They didn't win, but they, they oh, went. Yeah. Um, and then like a year later after that, you start hearing rumblings of this guy's kneeling. And it was just like you know, he's a rich, he's an adopted kid of some, of course, rich liberal people, I'm sure. Yes. And, yeah. uh, he, like, it was just, like, you have Muhammad Ali, right? This right. is why everything now is just this replica of the 60s. Like, Muhammad Ali refused the draft at the height of his career. Like, he really yeah. sacrificed. He went to jail. Like, this guy was really sacrificing for what yeah. he believed, in, you know, seriously. Yeah, no Viet ever called me the, you know what. Yeah, yeah and it, now you have Kaepernick pretending to do the same thing, but he's already benched. He's already, he's already not <laughs> playing. So it's like... Yeah, you got to win a Super Bowl or two yeah, to do right. it. Yeah, right. It would be one thing yeah. if you were the starting quarterback and then you did it, but you waited until you were, like, benched and had no attention, and then, oh, but we're supposed to take this so seriously, which was always yeah. my criticism of what he was doing. Yeah. No, but that's what I mean. Like it became like a, a career revival thing. I mean, you know, that that's, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of football, you know, but yeah. from what I could tell, like, yeah, that just happens. I mean, you know, it happens in the NHL all the time. A, a good player gets drafted from the, you know, from the minor leagues or from the AHL or the CHL. And then like, uh, you know, they burn out or like, they're not, you know, or I guess they'll become like a, I shouldn't say Eric Lindros because Eric Lindros actually was good, but it's just that, you know, he burned himself out, but you know, it doesn't matter. But now there's like this easy Avenue to like revive your career and like anything actors do this all the time. Like, you know, who's that one uh, C lister, that woman that became like popular. She's also a fellow Italian. Uh, Rose McGowan. No. All right. Well, Rose McGowan was because she was calling out the uh, Weinstein. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, but, you know, this was the Alyssa Milano. She, like, became oh, yeah. a full-time activist. And, yeah, right. you know, it's like, yeah. Um, or see, Trump was a miracle for a lot of these people, you know? Wait, what? I said Trump was a miracle for a lot of yeah, these, like, right. let, like play, failing people. Who was the other one, the Southern woman who was, like, hot for five seconds and then was, like, screaming on stage about her period blood? <laughs> Oh, um, Ashley Judd. <laughs> Ashley Judd. Yeah. Like, she took this like, poem. <laughs> <laughs> she took this poem from, uh, was it Gorman or was it some other grads? Oh, like, God. I'm, I'm, like, um, what do they call it? The, uh, 
MFA students. Like it was some woke MFA student where she took the poem. She's like, I am a nasty woman. That was incredible. Because <laughs> yeah. of just Trump like saying something to Hillary Clinton. I remember I was in grad school when that, you know, that debate happened. I was watching, I was uh, listening in the parking lot before I went home from a, a late class. And I remember you said that he goes, you're a nasty woman. Like it was, yeah. you know, and that yeah. became like a huge, like how, how many people got accepted into MFA program? Like how many women got accepted into MFA programs because they wrote like nasty woman on a piece of art. Somewhere on a piece of paper. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, like, yeah, we are nasty women. God, well, how do you like explain that? Like, what was going on in the psyche of women when they heard that? It no, but it was good. Like, it's an empowerment thing, right? Like, it's yeah, this is yeah. like neoliberal kitsch. It's like taking something that becomes kitschified. Um, like you know, in the yeah. like I've seen like uh like you know, Instagrammable pieces of art where it's like millennial pink pastel but it's just written like nasty woman on it yeah or, or yeah. like that one cartoonist that she was in um the new yorker where it's like during coves like the messy room yeah oh yeah 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 uh she was in the new yorker it was in the new yorker it was like the messy room where it's like the woman with like yeah. a wine bottle yeah. and yeah, yeah. What, what is her name she laney Monaire, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. this is a this is a, a cheat, like this is a happy yeah. woman. Yeah, and like, this is this a happy is... woman. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right, right. yeah. And she always draws her like she always like draws her like like cellulite on herself. You yeah. Know? She always like yeah. is like very clear to do that. Yeah. Yeah. She did she did a recent one about like like there's like a strong antinatalist vibe going on, but it's quite yeah. funny. Um but so I guess like when it, when your perspective, when it comes to advertisements, like, do they just scout like whatever up and coming, like aging millennial girl boss, like by POC woman to do their, to do an illustration or is it like more organic yeah. than that? Now it is. Happens. So they used to be, you know, like, like our entire talent pipeline, uh, yeah. it used to be, um, you know, basically advertising used to be the domain of frustrated artists. So, you know, you'd have people like, who's the guy who is everybody loves at Apple, who was like the designer who left? Oh, I know who you're talking about. Uh, yeah. Well, there was the, the, the actual tech guy, Steve Wozniak, but then there was... The no, no, I mean the, the, the big design, like the Apple designer. I forgot his name, but he... Um, oh, I forget. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I know who you're talking about. Did he, did he do the, the the he did the IBM commercial where they're smashing IBM or that was a different guy. Johnny Ive Johnny, Johnny Ive yeah. yeah 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 um I also want to say that there was like a they had a trans designer for a while too who was like oh yeah they did. and then but then they quit you know yeah. for some reason but um oh yeah no they, that that they had so I think Johnny Ive was replaced by some trans person. And then the trans person jumped ship to work for Elizabeth Holmes and was like one of the ones who like, what a yeah. blunder, eh? what yeah, a blunder. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what happened. But no, so people like Johnny Ive, you know, I've written about hype dads, which is also a Sean Monaghan uh, idea that I stole from him. But uh, that's, you know, yeah, basically advertising is the domain of like frustrated 
like good looking dudes who yeah. really wanted to be great journalists or really wanted to be great painters, but they're suburban kids. So they can't really deal with pain. So they go and they become creative directors because yeah. it's a very, very comfortable living, you know? And then they spend the rest of their lives kind of like being a frustrated you know, they're really just a corporate schmuck, but they believe, oh, if I had just done it differently, I would have been the next Norman Mailer, you know, whatever. Yeah. And uh, so advertising is really full of that. Formerly is full of that type of people. The thing is, those guys are very, very talented, though. You know, oh, I yeah. mean, they really are, are extremely talented people, or at least they were. Well, did did you go to art school or design school? No, no. Or, um... I went to law school, man. I'm I'm a complete oh I'm a complete anom anomaly. I mean, but I'm I'm also a total outsider. You know, I mean, I'm like, you know, I'm a I'm just I'm I'm a commentator seeing it from the outside. You know, I right. I never really was like, I had some big success in there, but um, I was always a black sheep. You know, I mean, I I never right. played the game at all. You know, Uh so, but, but what were they expecting you then besides like the the aesthetic design work? You're more of like the branding. So, so, and, okay. So again, yeah. each team, sorry, each team, yeah, yeah. the way that like the core, like the core team or unit of an ad agency is one designer and one copywriter, right? Right. right. So art and copy. Yeah. And those two things come together to have any given idea. Right. So the the copywriter will go and, you know, start writing stuff. He'll think of concepts. He'll write taglines. He'll write scripts. Um, he'll do the copy side. And which is like that Don Draper is a copywriter. Yeah. And and then the gay guy, Sal, is his designer. So in the first season, I, I don't know if you've yeah. seen Mad Men, but um, I've seen a little bit. But yeah. 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 So design and copy, they meet together. And so uh, traditionally, copy was a little more dominant and design was following copy more. Mm -hmm. In today's mm -hmm. world, it's reverse. In today's world, copy is way, way down here and design is way up here. It's Yeah, the image yeah. is everything almost. The image is everything. And that's largely because, and I say this all the time, Copy cannot innovate without becoming political. It has yes. to have politics in it. Design really can innovate very far without saying any, I mean, you can look fascist, right? Which is like mm -hmm. where we're going, but you're not going to really get in trouble for it. Whereas if you, you know, this that I write, you know, I have a, I have a, a client right now. This is very long house. So this guy, uh, wanted to do a brand. I'm not going to say anything specific where he had this line that is, don't be a slob. Right. Right. Simple line, catchy, whatever. It's fine. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting line or take for the other line. Most interesting man in the world. I don't always drink beer, but when, but I, when do, I do, I drink yeah. those seconds in the longhouse world, they will not let you say anything negative at all. So right. anything that is, oh, some person inside will be like, that sounds a little negative to me, you know? So like, imagine <laughs> trying to get that line. Don't, I don't always drink beer. Some longhouse Herodin is going to say, 
that why are you saying that you don't drink beer? This is a beer commercial. Like, why aren't you like they're so dumb? You know what's funny? You know, like get it out. Yeah. So yeah. It's very like millennial too. Like uh there there was like there would be these conversations in um I, I only watched I know I say I only watched, but I only watched three seasons. But you ever watch the show Bojack Horseman? Yeah, I did. I did watch that. Yeah, guy. like it's like Good. you can't say that because that'll imply like a negative and you can't imply a negative because you have to sell something. Exactly. You have to sell a movie and it's like you can't say a negative. You have to say like it's like yeah. mind-numbingly, soul-destroyingly affirmative. All yes, the all the time. Right, exactly. And that's and all these women are getting paid to say that. They're in there saying, oh, I've been told don't be negative. And so now the, the reason I had to start my own thing was I was just like, yeah, you know, I, but you're I selling beer. Who cares? You're selling exactly. beer. You yeah. say whatever you want. You're selling it to dudes. Dudes are negative. You know, say, say anything, you know? Yeah. Whereas now they're going to uh, all push you into saying these same stupid things. I, if I see one more brand guide, so brand guides, you have all the visuals, all the, you know, core yeah. meaning. So there's always three adjectives in there of like what you're, you know, you've seen the three, have you seen the three adjectives before? What is this? The three adjectives. So um, every brand <laughs> will have like three adjectives that describe them. Right. And it'll be mm-hmm. on a big page in there. So it'll be like, well, who are we? We're courageous, innovative, and you know, fresh. like fresh. Yeah. yeah right. Exactly. <laughs> every, oh I, I swear to God. Every single brand deck I have seen from a big company in the past five years has bold in in it. Bold. Yeah. Every single one is bold. And it's so (laughs) hilarious because it's like, aren't you supposed to be differentiated? But like the people that are writing these words are just like, yeah, bold. Bold works for Uber. Why shouldn't bold work for McDonald's? We're bold. Everybody's bold, right? We're all bold. Um, Yeah. 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 That that was, it's, it's starkly different than, uh, than like what used to be like, you know, corporations. I mean, it was still just like marketing something, but it actually had like an, I guess you could say an innovative vision. I mean, I remember I bought this, uh, I always wanted to do a video on it. I bought this trade book that I think was from Toshiba. It was called the, the, the new nomads, where it was like about electric, like electronics within clothing that would like, you know, place you in like different environments and so forth. It was all very like futurist type of like lingo, right? It was about like, you know, but it was very like theory sellish in a way. It was sort of like when Zizek did the Abercrombie and Finch edition in like 2006. But, yeah. you know, that was like, I guess they probably got some grad student to come in and talk about futurism. But, you know, it was very like Y2K. It was a very early 2000s, right? And I loved yeah. it. I, right? like, it's, I'm, I, you know, but because I'm a millennial, I'm a millennial. That's, you know, but, but nowadays it seems that there is no vision that even corporations have. It's just like the same, like eternal nowness of like, while well, you have to appeal to these demographics or you have to have like a mind numbingly positive kitschy vision of yourself. That's like, you know, like even commercials, like, it's, yeah, it's incredible. You know, you're yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I, so the thing you're talking about is a is a what we would call a strategy deck, where yeah. there's some kind of interesting new yeah they they give them names right like uh, yeah the new nomads and it'll be like a very like your type <laughs> of stuff Geo like you could you should write these things honestly and get, you they I could like, 
you could make so much money writing these things. Like Sean Monahan, have you heard of Sean Monahan? I've heard the name, yeah. Yeah, I've heard so the name, he's the guy who came, I just had him on my pad. He's the guy who came up with Normcore. He's a genius. They call him a trend forecaster. Mm. But uh, really, he's an advertising strategist, and he makes these decks. You can slang these things for an ungodly amount of money. I mean, you could but, really, you should do this, Gio, I'm telling you. Because you're great at writing, like, you know, yeah, make up some name for a new type of consumer. And just like talk about them, you know, like that's all you have to do. And things, but an ironically, yeah, <laughs> Optic and Essential, that one out for YouTube, but like, yeah, yeah, it's like something, something like, I, I guess, yeah, say like, what do millennials love? It's like you could just yeah. pin them, you could pin down the soy lenial to their, their competitive wants, you yes, know? just write the soy lenial, like the soy lenial yeah. report, and just like talk about them for, for 20 pages. And then sell yeah. that to like AT and T, you know, like yeah, nostalgia for specific. All like have liminal spaces everywhere. It'll yeah, be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they love yeah. that. The yeah. ad campaign will guide you through a back rooms. Yeah, that yeah, <laughs> that's a good idea. I love the whole back rooms thing. I find that yeah. so fascinating. I, I really oh, yeah. like that. Some so, people are very creative with it too, but yeah. What do they do? Like, so this. Well, there's room. different lore to it. There's different yeah. levels. Um. You, you should look. They have this guy. He's 19 years old now. His name is Kane Pixels. They he did these animations, doing Blender and like taking like an old VHS and like finding a way to connect it digitally. And A24, you know the big um, horror yeah. indie horror. You know they gave him a movie. He's doing a movie. Really? So, yeah. What's his name? His name is Kane Pixels. Kane Pixels. Yeah. There's this other one called Lost in Hyperspace, which is more narrative and there's different levels. And like, it takes a long time to do this stuff on your own. But, That's you know, I guess he's got a whole team of animators. Yeah, this is cool, man. This is very cool. So, yeah, you were saying you were saying about like the world of it. Like, um, it, so, yeah. anyway, sorry. No, go ahead. Sorry. What are you saying? Oh, no, no, no. I was going to ask you, like, you were saying about like the, the grinding positivity. Like, do, do you remember? Um, no, I'm assuming that you are an older millennial or you're a Gen Xer. What are you? No, I'm an older millennial. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm 38. So I think. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So do you remember in the 90s, the mid 90s, they had, and this is like a classic example of like the Gen X MTV generation marketing. They had this like hipster brand called, what was it called? No Soda or no label soda where it was like, it was sort of like negative and it was like, we were resisting branding and it was very hipster ish. It was very there like a few of those, like no yeah. label. And it was like, yeah, I remember that vaguely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like that can't exist anymore in some ways. That what do can't, you mean? Well, like you were saying like, it's too like self-referential and aware. And I guess nowadays people like marketing executives, they want like, you know, something that's very like in your face and like you were saying, bold and fresh and like not, you know. So it reminds me also of my favorite, one of my also favorite ever campaigns. And and this again, I, I mark in my whole, you know, uh, my own timeline that I build for this. I mark this campaign in advertising as the split moment, as I said, in mm -hmm. 2014, which is a, a gap 
right when speaking of Sean Monahan, Sean Monahan came up with Normcore. I don't know if you remember Normcore. Do you remember oh, that? this is like brands like Champion and like you know bodybuilders using Champion and like Gap so and like, like yeah, like in American Apparel. Suddenly, all the kids started dressing like dads, right? It was the New Balance. Yeah. It was the floppy hat. It was like the the college sweater and the khakis. You know, there were there was a big moment of that. Even Kanye, Kanye was doing this kind of at the time. His remember his Wave Runner shoes, the Kanye oh, Wave yeah. Runners. Those were yeah. totally like nor, ultra normcore, and because <laughs> uh, they looked like uh, New Balances, they basically yeah. looked like like bubbly yeah. New Balances. So during that time, Gap. Because somebody clearly inside Gap knew what they were doing, they ran a campaign called Dress Normal, which oh was fantastic. It was so good, and it was exactly what like culture had gone way left, and it was now obviously time to like start going, you know, if not right, centrist, exactly, at least like non individualistic, right? And and yeah. that's kind of like what you're saying is these things were just blank. Like brandless, like brandless uh, things. And I I, ironically enough, Oatly also did this. Like they had this negative campaign where it's like, I know you don't want it. You want this, but you know, it was actually quite brilliant. I saw a Twitter thread about it when people were dunking on Oatly. I said, well, their branding back in the early 2000s was actually kind of good. Like it was, they they weren't around in the early 2000s. Oatly? No, it was like it wasn't years ago. It was like 2012 yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a self-aware. Like, you mean those yeah. things that was like a lot of the writing? It was like a like yeah. a long panel. <laughs> yeah. I actually wrote one of those. Oh I my god! I literally wrote wrote one of those. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was not. This was like later on, and it was for social media. But I actually wrote one. Um, but uh, yeah, no. So there was this period in advertising where, again, this is I I, I mark this as the split. There was culture wanted to go populist. It wanted to go right. It wanted to not be about being individual. It wanted to be about joining the herd, right? Right. And Normcore gotten Normcore or dress normal was that exact moment. And it was so radical. Like it was such a radical campaign. I loved it. I was so into it. Hmm. And but they got in trouble. Like Gap got in trouble for running it because it was like, what do you mean normal? Who's normal? You can't say uh, who normal is. Yeah. And so at that point, culture literally like sheared in two where they started forcing people to be individualistic on crack. So we're having like face tattoos and 27 color hair, you know, like uh six, nine and X. Yeah. Like snitch nine. Yeah. 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 Like those guys, those guys are like, I mean, not that extentacion is actually really cool. And Drake, I don't know if you know that story, but uh, wait, um, who can Drake? No way. Yeah. Really? Dude, it's, 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 it's like literally true. Like Drake basically had extentacion. Holy. It's, yeah, what it's what for story. though? Was there like some kind of beef going on? Yeah. So extentacion like talked about Drake's mom like publicly Whoa. several times. Yeah. And then he was, and then Drake rapped about like clearly referenced it on a song later. It's like they claim Suge Knight had uh easy E infected, you know, infected. Wow. Yeah. They I have this that. story that he, he got one of his goons to inject him forcibly with, uh, with AIDS blood. With AIDS. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Can I mean, maybe yeah. you never know, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> we go, so go on. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, at that time, yeah. So again, culture went in like two directions. It, it, like the the longhouse made it go ultra individual, 
And, you know, yeah. that's when you're seeing breast scars on ads because you couldn't go any further left without going into absurdity. And right. so they went into absurdity because they were forcing it to go that way. But really, culture wanted to go right. You know, just like it did in the 80s, just like it did in the yeah. 50s. Culture wanted to go the other way. But the people in charge no longer would allow it. And that nor dress normal was that exact moment because that was it was a genius campaign. They should have stuck with it. But they got they got literally like in trouble. You know, people wrote think pieces like this is not OK, you know. And so, uh, yeah, that was kind of the moment where all that stuff changed, I think. But I think we yeah, we crave uh, we crave that type of populist message. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, there, yeah, there, there is some, like, there, like I said, in the beginning of the show, there's always like, uh, the fear of, uh, being co-opted as just another brand, but at the same time, like there's always these natural waves within the gist of any, like any culture or civilization, there's always going to be like a, a sort of tension that builds up on the other end. Um, but, but what's interesting is that, uh, I, before we get to vibe camp, uh, what was I, I you know it's like the the like cliched point of like well what's your red pill journey but like but someone like you i guess is like you know when i was reading the vibe camp piece uh and you know their pieces on your substack like you know you're not the typical you don't have the typical upbringing of what creates like hair chud of the <laughs> dissident right like you're you know, you come from like a theater kid background. Your parents were, th they were part of the theater or uh, yeah. they're creative types. What were they? They were, yeah, they were total theater, like absolute theater kids, yeah. the theater academics, you know, they're, they're professors. Mm -hmm. and, stuff. And, yeah. and so you had like, and you were talking about how, you know, um, you had more of like that creative and academic background growing up. And like, you know, I guess you would say, upper middle class liberal academic background that you know is in the art world in the theater world so you don't have like a typical foundation of like what makes up a lot of people in the e-right who either like they're millennials that come from quote-unquote flyover states or they you know they're in like engineering or in academia well or maybe not academia but you know they're in like more white collar professions but still have that sort of foundation within working class americana uh, so you're like a sort of exception to the rule. You come from the class of the enemy, if you will. <laughs> so, well, I definitely come from the class of the enemy. Let me just say, I was not upper middle class, though. I mean, my parents well, were uh, the dregs of two of a sh wealthy doctor family and mm -hmm. a uh, finance wasp family in Chicago and Cleveland, respectively. But they, my parents were both the end of the line. If you, they if were you Bohemians, know, right? You know, like they were. So they, you know, they they grew up very privileged, but they abandoned all that. They became, oh, they're they're the ultimate boomers, right? Yeah. They're like uh, <laughs> they know, squandered it. <laughs> yes, they squandered. You know, oath of poverty type of uh, boomers. You know what I mean? Oh man. So yeah. I grew up very, I would say, lower middle class, basically. Like if right. I, I really, I you know, we never had any fancy at all. I mean, we had, uh, yeah, we, we didn't have nice cars. We didn't have nice vacations. Like we didn't do any of that. So, and I grew up in a very black area. I was like a super, like if you had met me when I was, uh, you know, I was pretty fly for a white guy, like FUBU outfit. Like I was, <laughs> I was straight, you know, earring. 
I was yeah. like total uh, black, black, white guy um, when I was in high school. So like, so yeah, I mean, I, I definitely was exposed to that type of, you know, working class, I guess you could say, which isn't really mm-hmm. even like the working class. That's just like the welfare class. Lower but, parole. Uh, yeah. Lump and parole class. I guess yeah, you know. exactly. And, um, uh, but I will say that actually that's not true what you're saying about, or I would push back against, um, most people like the leaders of our movement are all like, you know, they all come from academic backgrounds, right? Well, or I'm talking about the foot from, soldiers, the leaders. Who did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. BAP and Curtis and, uh, you know, any yeah. of these guys, they all, you, you, you know, they all basically had pretty, you well, know, even they, like you know, outside of our yeah. thing, like, you, like, for example, Mike Enoch was a, like a computer guy. Um, yeah. Like that's yeah, how, yeah. by the way, I got to say, as much as I, you know, maybe disagree with a lot of elements of TRS, you got to give it to him. Like to survive that long with the amount of like harassment and censorship. Yeah. banking, no, Yeah. Like there's got to be some kind of computing there. You like, know, I went on that show. Which one? Uh, the Daily Show? Yeah. Uh, oh I my God. I went on oh it. I had no idea what I was doing. I, I had, I did not understand at all what I was, was it Enoch and Sven or was it? Yeah, yeah. it was Enoch yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and whoever that other guy is. And uh, Sven, yeah, yeah, I did not know what I was getting. They didn't into find out about your, your, uh, no, I told Lundberg them. That's why, that's why I went on. I said, <laughs> I, I, I emailed them and I was like, Hey, like I'm, I'm a, like, can I come on? And they were like, sure. <laughs> they would do, they do that yeah, yeah 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 i'm sure you can still find it it's it exists there somewhere i mean I, that put me on some type of adl list but i mean i go on i don't like uh you know i don't i, I try to defend you know yeah. to, to, to a degree yeah. so yeah they're not fans of bap either so that, or curtis of course Arvin, so. Oh, yeah no they hate well the they infamous hate. one with borazoi and curtis that was what was, was that bad. Well, 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 Curtis went on uh, Borzy's show, oh, yeah. um, Hyper Podcastism, and they talked about uh, the Austrian painter for four hours, and Curtis was trying to say, well, you know, uh, an Austrian painter is, uh, you know, gay. And, uh, you know, <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> like, I'm not the biggest, like, okay, let me, let's talk about the class thing, because I'm not the biggest fan of, of Curtis's recent stuff, uh, yeah. because... He neglect. Okay, listen. I know it's a meme, and he would even admit he's smart enough to know it's a meme. But I, I said when the infamous, you know, elves article elves came and, out. Yeah, yeah. I, I said like there's a neglect of. I guess I mean, listen. This is very self-serving because like I come from like a blue collar working class background, um, but yet you know went to academia and like uh, I said you know he ignores the dark hobbits. The, the dark hobbits are like working class, like kind of like Justin Murphy. I know Justin Murphy's getting some heat recently for, <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, yeah, for the yeah. bat book. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah. but let's face it. Justin Murphy, like me, comes from working class background. You know, I, I mean, I didn't go to the PhD level. I went to the grad level. But, you know, I didn't. I, I was contemplating getting a PhD. I applied. But I didn't apply hard enough because I knew it wasn't for me. Um, you know, but master's level, whatever. Uh, you know, come from working class background. Go into an intellectual profession. Uh, it's like that is I, what I consider the Dark Hobbit. Where Curtis, he doesn't like. I he, maybe he doesn't believe those people exist. I don't know. Like you know him, so defend your <laughs> defend your. Well, but so, but would the would a Dark Hobbit be? What would a Dark Hobbit be exactly? 
how, how would you describe the dark topic? Because the dark elf is yeah. essentially an elite who is curious about defecting more or less, right? I mean, that's what a dark elf is. So what's a dark hobbit? The dark elf starts off from a position of the upper echelon. Yeah, right. To yes. me, the dark hobbit is someone who works his way up from a working class background, but then has like, you know, uses those intellectual tools to sort of, you know, I guess like, have an affirmation with the the chuds quote unquote see so I, guess, I don't yeah. think that that's what a dark hobbit would be though because i think the analogy of a dark hobbit would have to be somebody who like is grilling football sunday yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. but then somehow is like telling their friends on grilling football sunday like tea you know what i mean like that like that would be a well dark no yeah that's hobbit, right yeah i guess like you know someone who manages to balance like a number of intellectual pursuits, but also like having like the same grafting on to like Chud culture that like, for example, me, like, you know, I, I love like, you know, pro wrestling and new metal yeah. and all this stuff. Yeah, us yeah. millennial, like early two right. thousands edge culture that millennial young white men grew up with. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, like, yeah, that affectation is there. So yeah, that's a good point. That's a good it's point. It's or like a bog beef, right? You you and yeah, bog, bog beef, beef are kind yeah, of similar. 100%. Like, you know, you're very yeah. intelligent, but you also are rooted in the uh definitely in Hobbit culture originally. Oh, yeah. 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 I see, I feel like you guys are more like uh yeah, okay. Now I see Oh, well, let's face it, to be brutally honest, a lot of us are failed normies, but that's another issue entirely. Well, I think we all are, right? We're I all mean, every, everybody. That's what I was right saying in Vibe Camp is like we're all we all tried. Yeah. But um no, uh, no, but, I, but so did I, we try though? Because did you okay in your case, being a failed normie, is it more that you failed or did you like press the button on the suit on, on the vest? If you will, I definitely ultimately I pressed the button on the vest, but <laughs> I really did not like I had a very hard time fitting in, you know, like yeah. I, I, I did well. But it was miserable, man. I mean, I was <laughs> I was really it was taking every every ounce of willpower to not quit every single day. I mean, That's the most miserable the, yeah, the most miserable days of my life were I remember coming home from my big agency jobs and just being like, I am like overwhelmed with despair. <laughs> you know, like oh I fucking God. hate I hate working for these people. I hate going in there. Like I I hate. I just, it really like, it, and it was so hard for me to not just. Was it just that you were surrounded you know? by stupid people or is it the sort of culture of like. It's the culture. It's yeah. this culture of apology. And I have to listen to this fuck project manager talk about her cat for 20 minutes. And like, I have to be like, yeah, oh, wow, Susie, how was your weekend? You know, how was, oh, interesting. You know, like you just have to play this thing and it's just. It, it's killer for the soul, you know, I mean, for, yeah. for a creative, you know, it's, it really is just pure pain. So yeah, man. I mean, I tried, but, but, but you were saying about the class thing. Yeah. We, yeah. yeah. Um, oh yeah. So you, I would say that like somebody like you and bog beef, I see why you're calling it dark Hobbit. Um, mm. But like in a way, you're more of like a Hobbit whisperer, right? Like I feel like you're delivering, <laughs> you're no. delivering the Hobbit ideas to the elves, kind of. Yeah. Like you're saying, like here's why these things matter to these people, and like yeah. here's why there's like kind of a beauty to it. 
in, in a way, you know? Right, right. So well, I, I even like Bog Beef, because I, I think like Bog Beef, he like remembers or he is a great um like historian of I would say maybe an older form of Southern culture in America that is more sophisticated, is more grounded in tradition because nowadays, like, unfortunately you have like on both ends, you have the decimation of like the Appalachians in the South through, you know, um, offshoring and drugs and so forth. And also you have like the commodification or like the popification of it. Like for example, mainstream country music is like basically just pop music with an acoustic guitar. Like yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. so you know they're being assaulted on both yeah. ends. So I think that's why bog beef is such, you know, bog beef America is such a valuable resource because they, you know, remember a, a distinction or or like a dignity to Southern culture that you know either Southern culture is like evil and like Western libtards treat it like like you know big city libtards are like people that are Ellis Islanders and you know like I, I say that because like my mother's a literal Ellis Islander like she like. First she came to Canada, she like literally passed through Ellis Island. Um, so, but like, you know, the, 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 the buying into American liberalism is like, you know, you have the same attitude towards Southerners as the Khmer Rouge did to like, <laughs> you know, to, to the, the, the so, yeah, there's yeah. a great, but I, I steal this take, you know, I steal that take from, uh, from from mystery grove who had this yeah. great he had this great tweet where he's like you know uh academics of the civil historians of the civil war said that you know reconstruction should have lasted longer because it was great it was liberal it was like democracy then there's other historians of the civil war who say that reconstruction should have lasted longer because it could have resembled the Khmer rouge so <laughs> <laughs> um yeah yeah um yeah did you see this stuff? I uh, if somebody in our space on that guy Shelby Foot. Oh, I don't know if I've seen this. Yeah, Shelby Foot is this amazing person who's in uh, Ken Burns's documentaries about like the. Oh Burns yeah, stuff. yeah, Ken Burns had like denounced yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I yeah. It turns out this guy Shelby Foot, who's like the perennial Southerner, is halfish. I just learned. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. Well, and another huge slave owning class was the Native Americans. Nobody talks oh, yeah. about that at all. They owned a ton of slaves. No, but didn't you know that according to like Hotep historiography that like the, the natives, they were black people? Didn't you know this? Oh, no, I didn't know. No. <laughs> you know what's funny is that Hoteps and Mormons have the same, like Mormons <laughs> yeah, believe that they were yeah. like the... The natives yeah. had the mark of Shem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. 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 It's the same. It's the same lineage. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Right. Yeah. I'm not casting Sheena or Mormon friends, but you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But but I was like, yeah, so like, without getting the cliche, like, what's your red pill journey? Like, oh. So, yeah. how did you become? Because like, I know people like this who are like, you know, academics or sons of or sons and daughters of academics, but it's sort of like the Bohemian like. Like you were saying, vow of poverty. I'm a starving artist or starving academic. Um, still very like like libtard coded. So like, how did you become interested in yeah, like more right wing ideas? Like, what was your journey, if you will? Yeah, I mean, I was a um, libtard for sure. I had my you know angry communist phase for about a year. Occupy I, Wall Street. W- what? Occupy Wall Street was this during? Yeah, yeah, I was in Occupy Wall Street for sure. 
Um, and I, you know, I grew up so liberal that being right wing was essentially Satan, right? I mean, it's mm -hmm. like it was, but both my parents viewed progressivism as their religion and both of their families view them, view it as Whoa. that. So, yeah. you know, to be right wing was literally the worst thing you could ever be. Mm -hmm. Um, I, from a very early age though, it was obvious that I was just a right wing like person. Like I think when you read the fountainhead and you love the fountainhead, like then, you know, you're, you're never yeah. going to really be a liberal. So I like loved the fountainhead. Like the I was obsessed with the fountainhead, you know, from an early age. And uh -oh. you know, I, I, I studied philosophy in college and I always was like the utilitarians I thought were the dumbest people on earth. You know, <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? Um, like I couldn't believe anybody actually believed that. Uh, and so I was always, you know, it was always there. But when you're, you know, it's like, it's like being gay and a Catholic. It's like, it's like, it's so, it takes a very long time for the truth yeah. to like bubble to the surface, you know? And Surprisingly, so, there are a lot of gay Catholics. Andy Warhol was a, a yeah. gay Maronite. Or was it Maronite? Or yeah, something like that. There does um, seem to be a lot of gay Catholics. It seems, oh, yes. My, like, my I, mother, you know, was yeah. born in the country of gay Catholics, uh, Brazil. Uh, it's so, all right. Is that, that, that's gay Catholic capital of the world. Yeah, yeah. The gay Catholic capital of the world is Brazil. Yes. Brazil, <laughs> so, right. you know, there's quite a, and they're still practicing Catholics too that are gay. There's trans yeah. people in Brazil that are practicing Catholics. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. it's like a bit popular, right? Um. Anyway, so I, uh, you know, it was just slow but sure. I was an Obama one voter. Um, Whoa! Anyway, yeah, I remember being in New York City with my like, you know, diverse group of, you know, upper crust uh, friends, you know, because I did I despite not being a rich kid myself, I've been surrounded by them my entire life just because of right. like the paths I've been on. Um, but it's the funny thing about being upper middle class in America, and you can tell me what you think about this. When you're upper class in the middle of America, what's area in America? What's incredible is you never, ever touch the other classes. So no. you never, you're stuck like in this membrane and yeah. you're, it's, Marx was so right about the book. In Canada, it's the same way, by the way. Yeah. You're in your class and you do not move. Like you never go up, you never go down. You're just like in this like little bubble and you're pretending like you're elite, right? This is what Marx was so right about, about the bourgeoisie. Bourgeoisie spend their entire lives signaling that they're elite when they never yeah. are. You know, they, they never yeah. make it. They never make it's it true. to the next. And so I was in that. I was very firmly bourgeoisie. So I was doing all of the things like pretending like we were rich and we weren't really rich. Um, and so... Uh, you know, I was in this world. I was in this milieu. I voted for Obama one was very, you know, of course, very passionate about Obama. And uh, I remember when he won, like the people, my the girls I was with were sobbing. You know, it was such a beautiful victory. <laughs> and then uh, four years later, I was total. It was I was completely. Yeah. So, you know, and then I was big Trump. I was huge Trump. Uh, 2016 lost 75 percent of the people in my life from that. Holy! Uh, lost the rest during COVID. So very common story, by the way. Very, very common, common right? Story. It was a great cleansing period, and you know, it took me forever, man. It took me 35 years to really finally arrive at like yeah. 
the comfortability of who I am, right? Yeah. And, and so uh, it was just very similar to a lot of other people. The ideas were always there. It just they had to be – I had to find them and find other people who believed in them and, you know, yeah. be able to feel like I wasn't such a freak for, like, having these opinions, basically. Are, are your parents still around? Or- yeah, they're still around, but they – I mean, you could imagine how, you know, like uh, my dad, there's divorce, but um, I think my dad has basically come around entirely, but he will never admit it to me because he gave me so much. I I come from a family where I was getting emails in the middle of the night from uncles being like, you, you, you know, like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, friends being like, I would just write the meme like, Hey, how's it going, Ben? And they'd be like, you know, can die, you scum. You know, like I was, I was definitely that. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So. Yeah. Because it's go matrilineally. So. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Um, so so, so your, your old man's come around to it or he's like accepted it? I like, think he has to have. I mean, it's like yeah. at, at this point, looking around, I mean, give me a break. Is he really going to be on the side of. Blackstone. I mean, it's like, I don't think, he can, I don't think he can actually digest that, but he would never, you know, he gave me oh, so man. much for so long. It's like that, saying you're gay to your parents. In yeah. A way. <laughs> Back in the day. Yeah. It's, it's exactly like- the same. It's literally like the, the parallels are unbelievable. Like how many, how it is like that. And your mother? I mean, my mother is like straight well, up. You're, you're her son. It's, she's got to accept. Well, you know, yeah. I mean, not really. You know, I mean, she she tries. She tries to accept it. But she's like straight up, uh, you know, very typical artsy. Um, she's like uh, meet the Fockers mom. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. like a, a very typical, like kind of boomer hippie. boomer hippie mom. Exactly. And so for her, you know, she if I was trans, she would be delighted. You know, that oh, would that'd be, be like be oh, so that golden calf right yeah, there. Right, yeah, <laughs> right, right, exactly. No, no, I'm half uh, on my mother's side. I'm half Calabrese. Calabrese. Like, the Greek okay. side of it. Like her maiden oh, name is cool. very Greek. Uh, and my father is Marcagiano, which is central Italian, which is like the closest to Roman you could like possibly get. Uh, awesome. So that's, cool. that's why, yeah, that's why I have like more of an eclectic mix because like more, more Calabres and Napolitans um, and like other Southern Italians, for some reason, they found their way to Canada, but in America, like, especially in New York, especially like in Long Island, you have Sicilians all the time um, yeah. in New Jersey. They're, you know, Sicilians, but yeah, yeah. for some reason, like the mix here in Ontario was more like Calabres and from Naples. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. That yeah. part of Southern Italy. Yeah. That's cool. Oh yeah. Um, but, but also I wanted to ask you though, before we get to the, the vibe camp, like, cause I have people that like, they come back to Christianity, for example, um, you know, me myself, when I was younger, I was sort of like a new ager. Uh, and, you know, then I sort of more or less realized that, yeah, I'm genetically, I'm predisposed to Catholicism. But <laughs> but for you, like, what does that look like in terms of the example of taking your own faith more seriously within, I'm assuming, like either conservative or uh, orthodox? Uh, are you conservative or what do you? Well, no. So I would be what you would call... Hasidic as in terms of okay. my actual beliefs, uh, because that's who I study with. And mm. the Hasidic movement is, I st- 
to be honest, man, I still can't really tell you exactly the differences because I'm just learning it. But like, I do believe in, for example, the separation of the sexes during prayer. Like, I, mm -hmm. I think that that's really good. And so the Chabad I go to, there's a wall. The women go to one side, the men go to the other side. And I mean, yeah. you're, you're, after you pray, you then get back together. Yeah. But I, yeah. I think that it's good. Like, I believe in those types of things. I well, even in in certain Catholic churches in Italy, they used yeah. to do that too. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess like, but what does it entail? Like, when did you realize that you started to like change denomination and take your faith more seriously? That was like three years ago, four years ago. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, I, I had some friends that were getting into it. You wouldn't believe how many Hasids that you see today, you know, the black hats who look a ton of them are seculars who have adopted it later. Whoa. You know? Yeah. That's yeah. You don't realize that, but it's like, those guys are, uh, I would say 30. I, I mean, look, I don't want to, I'm not going to give a percentage because I don't actually know, right. but a lot of them I know personally are people who have, have, uh, adopted it later. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I started hanging out with people here that were doing it. Um, I'd always had this like really poisonous relationship because I, it was, it made me so angry. You know, mm -hmm. like, like I was always pissed off about it and I just kind of realized at a certain point, well, look, I can't change this. And yeah, it's, it's like a genetic disposition. Like when I started reading the Torah, I was like, oh, like this is obviously what I'm supposed to be doing. It's like, it's, right. it's like, it's an exception to a rule, to an exception to a, you know, it's like, it's very legal. It's like a very yeah. legal religion. And that's kind of how my brain works anyway. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, like I, I tried going to a church here once, like, uh, there's this, there's this, like the Justin Bieber, like cool kids church called, <laughs> uh, like Hillsong or one of the oh, like, like youth reform. Something yeah. Church. It's one yeah. of the, there's a bunch of these in LA and it's like oh, really man. like hot people, like dressing up and like, like a nightclub going to church. I went to one once here, uh, cause you know, I was just kind of dabbling and it was like going like, ah, you know, like, oh, singing, like Christian rock. <laughs> And I was like, oh, man, this is like not like I got to get out of here. Like, this is not my type of thing. Um, and but once I started hanging out with the hostages, I was like, oh, OK, these guys are real. Cool. And they're like, was it ever present in your life, but not to the same extent? It was present because I was always going to, you know, my family. Anytime I visit family, you know, you're yeah, it would be more of a family or yeah. you're talking about Judaism or, you know, and, and again, my best friend would had Shabbat every Friday and went to yeah. temple. So I was I was. It was in my world, but my parents were totally non-religious. There was no religion mm. at all. Mm -hmm. Interesting. But that's what makes like your journey towards the E-Rite like even like more interesting because, you know, not just because of your upbringing, but like, I guess, you know, the like, like, I mean, it, it's more of a typical story now. Like there's a lot of people that I know who like, for example, a lot of people I know who are Anons because their parents would absolutely disown them. Yeah. They found out that they you know, they went to the voting booth as a family and you voted for Trump. It's like, you know, yeah. That would be, you know. Um, yeah. 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 No, I think, uh, I mean, you got to get over that, right? I mean, you shouldn't be afraid of what your parents think. I'll, I'll tell True. you. But I mean, the, obviously there are re reasons to be in on and yeah. that I definitely do understand. So, yeah. And like you said, like you made that choice to like, you know, to, to plunge the button on the vest when it, when it comes to advertisement, but advertising, yeah. but yeah. Um, so anyways, let's move on. Finally, uh, vibe camp, vibe camp, vibe, vibe camp. camp. 
Thank you for listening to the Content Minded Podcast, where every Wednesday there are interesting guests, amazing ideas, solo streams, and discussions on a diverse array of topics from art, philosophy, history, and more. The free version will be available both here on YouTube and as a downloadable link on Anchor and Spotify, as well as on Substack. Each week, the full, uncensored, and spicier version will now be available on both Patreon and Substack, where you will have access to the full archive of both content-minded and of giant reviews where I break down interesting texts every week, including other exciting paywalled articles and good content. Thank you all. Please like, share, and subscribe. God bless. Goodbye. Help keep the content renaissance alive. Too sweet.